Good morning. I'm Leslie Thatcher, 806 on this Tuesday. It's March 7th, currently 14 degrees here in Old Town Park City. On the phone with us now with the ABC Forecast Center, we have meteorologist Thomas Keyboy. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Leslie. Hope that your Tuesday is off to a terrific start. And things have been relatively calm, especially compared to yesterday morning. There have been a few light snow showers in the Wasatch back during the overnight and early morning. So there will be some slippery conditions between Heber and Park City this morning. But again, shouldn't be too bad. And we'll be looking at the chance of snow as we go through today. Now, it's not a guarantee that you'll see snow, but that chance does exist. It's about a two and three, 60% chance that wet weather will find you. And the best chance for seeing snow will be between mid-morning and the early stretch of the afternoon and by later on this afternoon to this evening. That chance of any snow will begin to go down. Outside of any snow, we'll mainly see partly sunny to mostly cloudy skies. Daytime highs climbing to around 30 degrees. But the winds, they'll be whipping around just a little bit. So those wind chill values, as we talk about most of the time, will make it feel about 5 to 10 degrees colder than it's actually going to be for today. Into tonight, we hold on to mostly cloudy skies. The overnight low dropping to 15 degrees and the unsettled weather pattern does continue for our Wednesday. But I think the system that comes in tomorrow is definitely going to have more impact compared to what we're going to see out there today. Because most of what we're going to see will be mainly light snow showers, maybe some minor accumulations. But the system moving in tomorrow will bring us a good chance for snow, especially from the second half of the day into Wednesday night. And during the daytime hours tomorrow in Park City, we could see maybe an inch with maybe a few inches being a possibility from Wednesday evening into our Wednesday night before that chance starts to go down during the overnight hours on Wednesday into our Thursday. High pressure briefly going to settle in. And the key word there is going to be briefly. So Thursday, mostly sunny, a daytime high of 33. Then our active weather pa pattern will be ramping right back up, getting from Friday through this upcoming weekend, the spring forward weekend, actually, as we change our clocks. But the forecast is going to be a bit tricky. And the reason why is because ahead of the wet weather that's going to be coming in Friday through this weekend, we're going to see a southerly flow that's going to help push up our temperatures. And both Friday and Saturday in Park City will likely see a daytime high in the upper 30s. So that means we're mainly going to have a chance for, for snow, but there is going to be at least a chance for rain. So we're looking at a pretty high chance for both Saturday, Friday and Saturday when it comes to wet weather. And then on Sunday, that chance for snow sticks around. The daytime high continues to be right around 39 to 40 degrees with that pattern persisting into next week. So the active weather... Once it starts on Friday, could even persist into next week. Daytime highs will be closer to 40 degrees and overnight lows will mainly be in the middle 20. So we'll get closer to our seasonal averages, but that could lead to some issues when it comes to whether or not we're going to see times of rain or times of snow. But at this point, looking to be mostly snow at this point, Leslie. Okay, let's hope so. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. KPCW News Time now, 808. And with a look in the backcountry on the phone with us from the Utah Avalanche Forecast Center, we have Drew Hardesty. Good morning, Drew. Morning, Leslie. I have to admit, I'm a little spooked about conditions in the backcountry. There were five avalanches triggered um, yesterday that make me stand up and take notice. These were primarily on east and southeast facing slopes uh, between 8,300 feet and 10,600 feet in elevation. Um, and here's why. Uh, last Thursday, we had a brief clearing and that put a sun crust on many of the solar southerly aspects. Um, and that um, we had a storm that came in Friday that brought a few inches of snow. And some of those, um, what we call, I don't know, decomposing fragmented snowflakes <laughs> um, remain preserved just above that, that sun crust. And that sun crust is making a really excellent bed surface for these avalanches to be triggered upon. And of course, you know, we had the blockbuster storm over the weekend, but what's 
tricky and difficult about some of these avalanches is that, you know, the snow tests that we're doing are giving sort of inconsistent information. Some are saying, oh, the slope is stable. Some are saying it's not stable. Um, and yet, still the evidence is clear. And some of these avalanches triggered yesterday were like one to three feet deep and, and up to 300 feet wide. Um, and it, also some of them triggered at a distance, remotely we call them. So, you know, that's why we don't have most of our accidents and fatalities on high danger or extreme danger, Leslie, because all those signs are like right in your face. But here it's it's a patchwork. And um, I think for me, because it remains considerable danger, um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, keeping my slope angles low. There's too much uncertainty and, and um, time to step back and let things settle out for another day or two. Okay. Good advice. Thanks so much, Drew. Thanks. KPCW News Time now, 811. KPCW News Time now, 811. Good morning. I'm Leslie Thatcher. It's the KPCW Local News Hour and day number two of the KPCW Winter Pledge Drive. We're going to be kicking off the Vail Epic Promise Hour here in just a minute. But uh, let's first get a recap of how day one went. Renee Bodley-Miller joining me now in the studio, our station's manager. Good morning, Leslie. Day one was stupendous. We had our second best day one ever for KPCW pledge drives. We raised over $104,000. Looks like now we're sitting close to 107. Some donations came in overnight. Summit Land Conservancy, Habitat for Humanity, Kimball Art Center, Friends of Ski Mountain Mining History, and Live Like Sam, they are all going to get free underwriting for the next six months because they hosted an hour yesterday and brought in their goal, which was great. We're going to kick off today with Vail Epic Promise, then Recycle Utah, Mountainlands Community Housing Trust, PC Reads, People's Health Clinic, Summit Community Gardens, and Mountain Trails Foundation. That's going to be our lineup for today. Now, here's our big challenge for today. You know, the enthusiasm and the buildup, it always manifests on day one with big donations. Day two tends to be a little quieter. So what I would like to throw a challenge out there to our listeners. If you have never donated to KPCW before, why don't you donate today? You hear us talk about Broadcasters Club and a $1,000 donation. Let's go for a $50 donation, $60 donation, $5 a month, 60 bucks. Can you do that to support this public local radio station? We sure would appreciate it. Again, we're looking for new donors. We usually, Leslie, get about a thousand a thousand donors every pledge drive. We know this community has grown. We know people who have moved into this community love listening to us and reading the local. We know people who have moved out of this community love staying in touch with the Park City area through the local. So please make a donation. If what we're doing is something you like, show us. Okay, we're going to be back with uh, Vail Epic Promise. Um, and again, looking for your calls of support at 435-649-9004. It's 814. Good morning. I'm Leslie Thatcher. It's the KPCW Local News Hour. Stay tuned. Coming up, I'll be checking in with Wasatch County Manager Dustin Graybell later on in the hour with KUER political reporter with a final Utah legislature wrap-up and Sage talking with Sage Miller. But first, would like to welcome to the studios here, I've got Shadar Edelman, the Vice President of Mountain Operations for Park City Mountain Resort, along with Tara McDonald, is the Resort Operations Manager. Good morning, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Leslie. Great to be here. Morning, Leslie. Yeah, so 
Well, let's start with the, the, the good news. Um, of course, you guys announcing yesterday that uh, not only one week, but two weeks. But I, I, maybe you can explain that, because originally I thought 17th was the last day. Then so, it got moved up, and now we're extending it two weeks. There was a little confusion over that last day, but it was always the, the 9th in our plan. Um, last year it was that 17th. This year it was between the 9th and the 16th, but the 9th was the plan. Um, we're thrilled to be able to extend to the 23rd. This is going to be our longest season since the early 90s uh, with our early opening date and a late closing date. And uh, conditions have just been incredible out there. We're at 456 inches of snow this year. It's the most we've had through this time of season in our 49 years of history that we have. And thrilled with the conditions and thrilled to be able to extend into late April. Yeah. <clears throat> so what that means is that we're going to pull all the operations then to the, the base of Park City. After the 16th. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be out of both villages through the 16th and then out of uh, Mountain Village here until the 23rd. Okay. Great news. Um, again, we've got uh, then just half, I guess, as many workers as you would need then to, to pull this off, huh? Or even less. Are we going to open the entire side of Park City or are we going to start shutting down lifts there? We'll start paring down in the spring as, as we usually do um, around the end of March and there'll be a, a gradual ramp down until the, till the end, of, end of season. So uh, we'll still work on what the exact configuration is uh, based on conditions as we roll through that month of April, but it will be a, um, it won't, it won't be the entire, entire mountain. It'll be a partial for that last week. And um, gradual step down from the end of March. Yeah, so you'll keep like Mine Camp open, Legacy Lodge, and then maybe rain in like Mid-Mountain mid Summit House. Yeah, there'll or... be some some, some step down through those few weeks on, on all our restaurants, on all our lifts, but yeah. um, there'll be some good skiing all the way to the end. Oh, sure. Um, and of course, you rely on the, uh, for the season, the, your J-1 visa workers. Many of them will be leaving here in a couple of weeks, yeah, so. Yeah, so that's always part of the, the late March. Um, plan. Um, so some of our international team head on home. Uh, we do have about 80 uh, people coming in from some of our other resorts across the country to help supplement for the end. And then we've got a really strong uh, base of core team that's, that stay around as well. So, uh, you know, we'll balance it all out with the conditions and the business and the employees and uh, provide a great skiing product all the way to the end. All right. 435-649-9004. Again, working on the Veil Epic Promise here, looking for a uh, number of phone calls. What do we want? We want 35. We've uh, got four. So let's get to a couple of those thank yous. Yeah, Absolutely. Tara. Go ahead, Tara. Thank you to Dave Lumberg. Thanks to everyone at Park City Mountain for working so hard. And a special thanks to KPCW for all that you do. And super excited to see this name, Danielle Falkenstein. Um, Park City Mountain, Epic Promise. Thanks for all you do to the community. Hi to the team. Miss you all. We miss you too, Danielle. 435-649-9004. We've got some uh, great premiums here. I'm going to pull up the right piece of paper here. Let's see. For a $500 donation, Park City Mountain and Epic Promise has brought in a foursome of golf at the Canyons Golf Course this summer. You also have, uh, for a $200 donation, a gift certificate for $150 to the Grand Summit Spa. For a $150 donation, a four-pack of summer up uh, fun. We've got the bike haul, a four-pack of the bike haul tickets or a four-pack of the resort alpine slide tickets. That's going to be interesting, right, uh, when summer season starts? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're starting to look at spring here soon, allegedly. Um, but right now it's definitely winter, and, and that's likely to have an impact on when some of our summer things get going this year. Yeah, I know you always shoot for, like, that Memorial Day weekend, and sometimes it means getting the cats out and moving the snow. It always means getting the cats out, and Memorial Day weekend is definitely questionable right now. Yeah. <laughs> 435-649-9004. And, Leslie, we have a little bit of breaking news. Tara, you told me this morning some... Um, new information about parking for the extended season. Yeah, we're very excited to be able to extend our season like Shadar was saying, and after April 2nd, we will not be requiring parking reservations out of Mountain Village Base. So, throwing it back to the old days a little bit there. Just come and show up and ski and have a great time. Enjoy the sun. And Shadar, do you know when you guys are going to have um, the traffic report? The, uh, clearly having parking reservations and paid parking has had an impact on traffic in town. And I was talking to Mike Lewis the other week, and he said that you guys think you're going to have some sort of transportation analysis ready to go by the end of the season? Um, I don't have an exact date on that, but we'll certainly be doing a thorough review on, on the impacts and, and changes that that's had. Um, anecdotally, we're, we're really pleased with the change in traffic on the arrival side and the spread out arrival to the resort in the morning um, with the new plan that we put in place this year. So we really appreciate everyone's cooperation and understanding on, on the why that we're doing that to, to help with the um, entire traffic and um, traffic situation in the community and um, generally really pleased with those results. Um, and we'll have more data and analysis as we wrap up the season and go into spring. Okay. We're working on uh, the hour with Vale Epic Promise. We've got Shader Elman and Tara McDonald with Park City Mountain joining us this hour. Looking for your calls of support at 435-649-9004. Got a couple of interviews that I uh, need to get to, but a reminder that uh, KPCW is an independent nonprofit news outlet. We rely on not only the great generosity of folks who provide the premiums for our pledge drives and the business community themselves with the underwriting, but you, the listener, those of you who are out there either reading the local, checking out the website, or got your radio on, um, and leaving the radio on for pets. I hear so many people tell me that uh, <laughs> they don't want their pets lonely while they're off at work, so the radio stays on. So if you're one of those, help help contribute to and pay for what you receive as, as a service. When you donate during the pledge drive, you help uh, keep the summit and Wasatch County, uh, Wasatch back informed about what's going on. And we uh, sure would love to hear from you. Again, 435-649-9004. We'll be back with uh, more right after this. Well, the Wasatch County Council meets tomorrow starting at 4 o'clock on the phone with a preview of the meeting as well as an update on some of the other issues going on. I have County Manager Dustin Graybaugh. Good morning. Good morning, Leslie. Uh, real quick, the council's still looking at last year's Board of uh, Equalization Adjustments and Appeals. Is, is tomorrow's uh, vote the final of this? Have you taken care of all of those that you need to? It is actually, and I think we're grateful to conclude that process. I bet. Any changes being made in the assessor's office given what's ha kind of happened with uh, the property valuations over the years? Yeah, we've actually um, engaged an additional business analyst position through our IT department that we're working with our assistant county manager to do some in-depth business process review with the hopes that we'll come out very soon with some recommendations for how we might be able to more efficiently address all of the very 
varied responsibilities that the assessor's office has. Okay. Uh, Wasatch County Council also set to consider a resolution authorizing the MIDA, the Military Installation Development Authority, interlocal agreements and boundary changes. This is basically what to, as we reported, to transfer more property from Wasatch County to MIDA? So the, the property is owned by private entities. What this changes is the boundary between what portions of the MIDA project area are governed by Wasatch County's land use or governed by MIDA's land use. And so this, this uh, boundary consent changes that boundary between these two entities as the hands change between private property holders. So why is this a good thing? I mean, this is an entity, MIDA, that's supposed to deal with military property, like the Hill Air Force Base. Now, gosh, they've got to be one of the larger landowners or, you know, in terms of what you, uh, you know, oversee, MIDA oversees and in the county. Yeah, there. I mean, it's a certainly a big project. It's going to have a big impact. But um, I think the nexus is that this property that's changing hands is intended to be integrated as a part of the ski village, and um, there are government facilities that Mida has funded through tax increment financing that are intended to be placed on this parcel. And so there is a piece that will be owned by an entity that Mida is creating, um, a, a public infrastructure district, with the intent of holding a piece of those as the properties change and those are for public use it may end up being day skier parking or public recreation facilities or something along those lines all right council also scheduled to approve new pickleball courts at southfield park how many are we talking about here um there's going to be six new additional pickleball carts which is double the number that we have there all right um and who builds these the city um, so actually, our, it's through our Parks and Recreation um, Special Service District, but the county is funding it through county impact fees on recreation. And so we have hired a consultant, and this is awarding the contracts. Actually, we haven't hired the consultant until the council signs off on it. So, Okay. Um, six sounds like a lot, but I'm thinking for the pickleball community, never enough. Are there more coming? <laughs> Uh, certainly, I think we, we have on our impact fee facilities plan additional pickleball facilities, and that's a potential use of something that we might put on this uh, MIDA property that's transferring as well. All right. Um, last week, there was a meeting with Heber City, Wasatch County officials, with the State Department of Transportation on the bypass road. UDOT says it doesn't want to build anything that nobody wants. Um, the controversial part of this bypass road is that it goes through Wasatch County, through the, the north fields, at least a couple of the options there. How does the Wasatch County Council then feel about going through the north fields? Are you guys split like the Heber City Council is? I, I think to the contrary, our council is very united in opposition to the routes that go up through the north fields. Um, the county passed bonds with the intent of preserving open space and that piece of open space is one of the most prominent, one of the most treasured in our community. And so the, the county council is very much interested in ensuring that that section of it is preserved. On the other hand, there is, I think, a general consensus of a, an acknowledgement of a need of a bypass. So that's kind of what one of the end items tomorrow are, is, is to consider changes to our agricultural protection area to ensure that the bypass is still possible while preserving those pieces of the county that we valued the most. Yeah, so would that mean then coming out to US 40 then before that? I mean instead of coming out to like River Road? Yeah, so I, I think the easiest way to describe it is to encourage your listeners to look at it's hebervalleyeis.udot.utah.gov 
and there they have all of information about the project, including the timeline, future steps, and past steps. And so it shows five different route alternatives. In addition to that is a no-build option, and two of those five options that they've proposed go north through the north fields. Those are the options that our council has repeatedly passed resolutions and submitted public comments in opposition to. Yeah. Is that short-sighted, though? Just given the um, the, the uh, numbers of, of residences being built, I mean, if we want to bypass, um, doesn't it make sense, though, to get the traffic out of out of the downtown there? I, I think you could easily argue that it's short-sighted to put a road through what would otherwise be, you know, rural, pristine property. Uh, if you think about the Snyderville Basin area, how many of those people would wish that there were more roads through them? There are certainly some, but I think there are also very many people who are grateful that there is that open space adjacent to such an urban community. Okay, um, the LDS Temple uh, lights, looking for some changes there to, to light the temple. What's the latest with this? Um, I think we're expecting to go to the Planning Commission soon with the code amendment. Um, they submitted an application to amend the code and we've engaged a consultant to provide independent advice on best practices for dark sky preservation. I fully expect the council will um, be looking to preserve our dark sky standards, but that might include making changes to our code because our existing code as it stands now is not industry standard for dark sky protections. So I think that it's likely that they would support making amendments to the code along the lines of um, matching what other communities who do preserve the guy are doing. So would it be more restricted or are you thinking it's gonna open things up a little bit here? So our existing code is very simple in that it requires directional down lighting. Um, what it doesn't limit is the uh, brightness of that down lighting or the volume of it, how many you can have. So what I, what I think is likely is the council will support additional restrictions. And I think overall it would be much more restrictive, but it also includes some flexibility. There are dark sky compliant goods that do allow for uplighting. That's a decision point that the planning commission and the county council will have to weigh in on. There are other aspects of it like what's the color temperature of the lighting? What are um, caps on lumens and other things like that? That will be, I think, discussion points with appointed and elected officials. All right. Uh, the airport, Heber City, is under uh, Heber City's authority, um, but the council will be passing on the airport plan to the FAA this spring. Uh, is Wasatch County okay with what's being proposed here? There was a lot of discussion last year about, um, you know, the county supporting a certain direction or another regarding the airport. Honestly, our county council has not engaged since that time on this. I think out of deference towards Heber City, because it's a very complicated subject and they have spent the time and the effort to really understand the issues facing them. And I think they're the best equipped to deal with what is ultimately their responsibility. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if our council does discuss it, but I don't expect them to make any major, you know, changes or public comments. I think we, we respect the wishes of the Heber City Council. Okay. And finally, just wanted any, any updates from the state legislative session that uh, would impact Wasatch County? Um, I mean, there's certainly things that affect all public entities um, regarding planning and entitlements and other, other aspects that we will have to make adjustments to. But um, I think the biggest one for us is we were considering the one of the transit taxes to implement it um, this year. And I think we may end up having to 
jump the timeline or or just not um, implement that transit tax because now it has an earlier implementation date, but it doesn't expire. Instead, it just changes. And so we had been considering the previously existing June 30th deadline as kind of a decision point on if we were going to implement additional transit tax. Is that like the fifth quarter taxes that you're talking about that basically yes, eliminated yeah. Summit County from any receiving any state funding? Yeah, and I would say that's something that I, I would think is, um, we view as problematic um, as well, that Summit County was excluded from, it was actually an alternative funding source for roads because of that. So Wasatch County, I think, isn't in that same situation or wouldn't be if we implemented it, but we are, we are considering that fifth quarter. Okay, Dustin, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Dustin Greenbaugh is the county manager for Wasatch County. You're listening to the local news hour here on KPCW. Looking for uh, 20 more phone calls here at 435-649-9004. Welcome back. Day number two of the KPCW Winter Pledge Drive. I'm here, Leslie Thatcher, along with Renee Bodley-Miller, and we're working on the Park City Epic Promise Hour. We've got Shadar Edelman and Tara McDonald in the studio with us, hope it, helping us to raise some money. Let's get to the thank yous first. Okay, I've got a few here. Uh, Meech White from the National Ability Center. Uh, really excited about this one and appreciate this. Uh, shout out to uh, Park City Mountain team for their support in building the new National Ability Center Mountain Center. Uh, They're right on property. Thanks, Meiji. Um, Ma Maureen Murtaugh, a new Broadcast Club member. So thank you nice. very much for your support. Woohoo. Uh, Alex Malmberg, thank you to the entire Park City team and excited about extending the season. Uh, from Luke, Whitney, and Claire, a big thank you to Park City Mountain Resort and Epic Promise, and a shout out to all the employees at Park City Mountain. Jim Dolomy, thank you, and congratulations to the ski area for tremendous improvements they made this year. Thank you, Jim. Um, from Diego Zagara, our friend from the Park City Community Foundation, he is dedicating this to Deidre Walsh's magic for bringing the snow. <laughs> and Abby Eddy, SOS Outreach Appreciation for Epic Promise and all they do for our community. Thanks so much. And here is the woman herself, Deidre Walsh. Thanks, Shadar and Tara, for all you do at Park City Mountain. I could not be more proud to be part of this amazing team. And thanks for all Epic Promise does for the Park City community and our resort employees. Thank you so much, Deidre. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what is Epic Promise and, and how, how does it support not only the, the staff there, but lots of local organizations, including KPCW? Yeah, Parks, uh, Park City's Epic Promise is the way that uh, we give back to the community and become a part of the community for Park City Mountain. So there's a couple different pillars that we uh, support so we support our employees through the Employee Foundation, giving scholarships and emergency relief grants. We also have an environmental commitment to zero, which includes zero impact to uh, our forests around us, uh, zero waste to landfill, and renewable energy by 2030. And then the most fun piece and the greatest piece that I get to work with is our community pillar. And that's how we give back to the local nonprofits and participate in all the good that our community does. So last year in Summit County and Wasatch County, uh, nearly 4.5 million went to uh, 24 of our local organizations that we support. And those organizations are combating the biggest needs in our communities, such as access, community vitality, and the environment. And uh, we're really proud to support all those things here. So that's 24 organizations just in Summit and Wasatch County. You do this at every one of the resorts, then? Correct. Yeah. One of the great programs y'all do is the first tracks for area nonprofits. I know our broadcasters club had a great day doing that. And you've done that for a lot of nonprofits in town. Is that right? 
We have. Um, it's something we really enjoy, and it's such a great connection to to those community organizations, and we get to um, spend some time and get some great skiing and uh, some great FaceTime and um, engagement with, with the community and uh, those key organizations at the resort, and we love it, and we're really pleased to be able to do that for uh, about a dozen of our nonprofit partners this year. I was going to say, it seems like the number, though, has gone way up. Yeah, we've we've identified it as something that we we are capable of. We've taken away. We've we no longer have the retail like you can pay to play for a first tracks. It's just something that we focus on doing as a partnership with our uh, with these nonprofit organizations, and we we think it's a great way to engage with the community. Yeah. So, is it something that somebody applies for, or did you just kind of? As a committee, they, choose. they can apply through it through the grant process through Epic Promise, and uh, we basically open up an hour early and get everybody out there skiing in the Silverload zone. Our grooming team goes to work real hard each night to groom a little extra in those zones, and it's an incredible experience. And our dining team usually puts on a great breakfast to wrap it up. So, so if you're wanting to pay to do that, you need to find one of those nonprofit partners that's doing it and make a great donation. That's right. <laughs> nice segue. Call four three five. Six four nine nine zero zero four, or you can donate online, kpcw.org, and just say you want this to go towards the Park City Mountain Epic Promise Hour. Yeah, and Renee, not only did uh, Park City host the first tracks back in January, but uh, they also do a ski? a ski history tour, and that's just for Broadcaster Club. It is, and they also put $2,500 towards this hour. That's their sponsorship for this hour. So um, KPCW has been the lucky recipient of Epic Promise Generosity. Thank you very much, you guys. We're trying to get to 35 donors this hour. We've had 15 donors. We have 20 remaining. We're trying to get to 6,500 and we're about 4,500, just a little bit over. If you're one of those nonprofits or a supporter of one of those nonprofits that's benefited from the Park City Mountain Epic Promise, maybe now is a good time to make a phone call. Have Shadar and Tara read your name, 435-649-9004. What are some of those other organizations that you help out with the uh, Epic Promise grants? Uh, SOS Outreach is one of our main partners, mm -hmm. the Park City Communi Community Foundation. YSA, uh, we're big supporters of the Mountain Trails Foundation as well. Excited to see them using uh, their heavy hit and power to do some trail work in Wasatch County as well this year. So uh, Recycle Utah, among many more. <laughs> okay, 435-649-9004. Again, uh, we're wrapping things up here. This is day number two of just a four-day on-air pledge drive. You can also go online, kpcw.org, but we've got a room full of volunteers standing by to take your call. Bill Lassar, Kim Frauenberg, Rachel Solomon, Claire Desolet. Uh, thank you so much for getting here, you know, early and uh, answering the phone calls for us. We appreciate that. Also, big thank you to Sally uh, RinderConnect and Airby Larry for doing all of our data input. Again, volunteers who helping us out. Give them a call, and uh, they'll be happy to walk you through all of the various pledge and premium items that we've got. Again, they start at just uh, $25. You'll go out, uh, you know, we've got uh, KPCW baseball hats and uh, T-shirts and tote bags. Um, we also have gift certificates to Alpine Apothecary, Devonza's Pizza, the Back 40 Ranch House, and all the way up to $1,000 or more. Again, that's the basic level of a KPCW broadcast Membership, uh, again, for two people at that $1,000 level, 435-649-9004. We have some thank yous. All right, I got Alex Nat here. Uh, 
Love this one as well. Thank you, Park City Ski Patrol, for keeping us safe. Uh, truly incredible, the work that that team does out there every single day. Um, David Vecchi, thank you very much for your donation. Uh, Douglas Hoisington, thank you very much as well, Doug. Um, and Mary Walter, huge thank you to Park City Mountain for an amazing season and for KPCW for keeping our community connected. From Mike Lewis, thanks, Leslie, for keeping us informed and to Shadar and Tara for being here today. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mike. And thanks, Mike, for, uh, yeah, always willing to, to come in and, and talk parking. <laughs> and some of those donations that have come in have been at the $5 a month or $10 a month. They've donated online and they check that off. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being a sustaining donor. And again, think of it as a subscription. You know, everything we do, we do it for free. You listen to the radio for free. You get on our website for free. No paywall, no registration. You get the local every morning, Monday through Friday, for free. If you like it, maybe consider doing a $10 a month donation. 435-649-9004. We've got uh, one other update here. I'm going to be talking with Sage Miller from KUR Radio right after this. You're listening to the local news hour on KPCW. Well, as we've reported, the Utah legislature wrapping up its 45-day session last week, even a few minutes before the deadline of midnight. On the phone with a final recap, I have KUR political reporter Sage Miller. Good morning, Sage. Good morning, Leslie. So I'm guessing that uh, by now you and Sean Higgins, who covered the session, have had a chance to recover? Oh my gosh, not yet, but we are very much <laughs> so looking forward to that lay time. And honestly, shout out to the legislature for adjourning before midnight on the last day. <laughs> <laughs> so the main job, of course, of the state legislature, even though they get their hands in lots of different things, is passing a budget, and they did that. Tell us about that. Yeah, they passed a historic budget this year, a $29 billion, with a B, billion-dollar budget. Um, it's called the Bills of All Bills. And there was a lot of stuff packed into that. You saw your $850 million tax cut in there, along with nearly a billion dollar in a billion dollars in education funding. Um, that also includes the, the controversial SB215 bill, which tied the teacher raises to a so-called voucher program, what they call the scholarship program. It also put $250 million in housing, uh, affordable housing, a billion dollars into transportation, and about $350 million towards water-related funding, about $200 million of that going to agricultural optimization to update farmer infrastructure so we can save that precious water. Yeah. Um, let's see. Also, a constitutional amendment coming to voters in 2024. Lawmakers want their hands on the money that that state income tax uh, generates. And it passed, I think, at least two bills that would give them that ability as long as voters authorize it. So tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, the Utah Constitution has very strict regulations over how lawmakers can spend income tax. It pretty much solely goes into an education fund. And they've been kind of skeptical about that for a while now and thought this was a good time to shoot their shot and try and change that. So the constitutional amendment coming to voters in 2024 would essentially say, hey, we're going to lift if you vote to lift this earmark in order to change if you if you vote to change the Utah Constitution to lift this earmark in in tandem or in, in return, we will remove the state portion. That's very important to highlight the state portion of the food sales tax. And so it's because it is a change to the Utah Constitution. It's ultimately up to the voters to decide that. Um, there has been a talk and there is another bill that says that there would still be an earmark on education within that constitutional amendment. So they're not getting rid of income tax funding education. What they're doing is really just kind of broadening the scope of how they can spend that income 
income tax money. Um, they said that they can't really reduce or get rid of the food sales tax because it's a steady stream of revenue and it helps pay for other stuff that the income tax by the Constitution does not allow them to. But like I said, because it's a change to the Utah Constitution, ultimately voters will get to decide if that is going to pass or not. So you should be looking forward to that on your 2024 ballot and have your voice heard that way. Yeah, so are both Democrats, uh, well, and Republicans, I believe, are on board with this, but are the Democrats, and I guess because it's something that Democrats, we, I mean, I guess they feel like, you know, the education and teachers never have enough. Yeah, so they are in support of removing the food sales tax. However, the Democrats that I have talked to are a little bit concerned about the way that the supermajority in the legislature are going about it. They're worried that this may, in the long term, while they're saying right now they're going to continue funding education at the rate that they are, right? We saw this year that there has been historic funding poured into education, but they're worried that that won't actually continue throughout the years of the legislature, especially if they don't have this requirement within, uh, if they don't have this requirement within the Constitution. However, there have been some very lengthy negotiations between the education community, between the Democrats, and between the majority in the legislature to try and work out a deal. And they believe, that the Republicans believe, that they have a pretty good deal that ultimately, like I said, will be up to the voters to decide. While they didn't, the, the, the negotiations didn't go exactly how they wanted it to, they didn't get everything that they wanted, it seems right now that they are pretty comfortable, but ultimately, they're going to wait on the voters to decide if this is something that they want to do. All right, another bill regulating uh, abortion passed. What does this bill do? Yeah, so they pass that on the very last day of the session. And essentially what happens now if Governor Cox signs this bill, which he is expected to, it would close all abortion clinics in the state by the beginning of 2024. And then it would only require abortions to be be performed in hospital settings or state-approved clinics. And there's question about what that happens to the leading abortion the leading abortion provider in the state, which is Planned Parenthood. Right now, they are in litigation uh, against the trigger law that went into effect after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. That is, There's an injunction placed on that right now, but they're a little bit concerned about what the new code would do to that pending litigation. So they're unsure about how it's going to go down from here on out. But that bill did pass, and it also put in a restriction that uh, people who are eligible for an abortion, so victims of rape and incest or uh, people who are threatened with their pregnancy by their life um, have 18 weeks in order to obtain that abortion um, and it yeah it's 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 putting further restrictions on abortion um, probably some of the restricted probably some of the most restrictive in the nation uh, but they found a loophole that allowed them to pass this bill while also not completely affecting the trigger law that is played on an injunction right now in the courts All right. Uh, A substitute Senate Bill 271, which would have allowed billionaire Matthew Prince to expand his Park City home beyond what the local codes uh, currently allow, failed. But the rest of that bill uh, that deals with fractional home ownership passed. It prevents the city, like Park City, which it has done from treating fractionally owned homes differently from single family homes and primary residences. This wasn't the only bill that usurps local control of land use authority during the legislative session. So does it all come down to the fact that uh, private property rights must be protected regardless of what people in a community want? 
That was the argument that House sponsor on SB 271, Val Peterson, was arguing. He said that this was a protection of property rights. But I think it's important to mention that this bill actually never received a committee hearing. What they usually do on the last few days of this fest- the session is they suspend the rules and they allow bills that never received a committee hearing or that are stuck in the rules committee allow to be debated on the floor. This was one of those bills. And it's also important to mention that the stipulation that would have allowed um, uh, Matthew Prince to build this gigantic home in that area in Park City was slipped in kind of at the last minute. Um, There was some reporting that kind of shined some light on it that kind of got a lot of lawmakers riled up to want to vote against the bill or actually just have a more in-depth discussion about it. And essentially what they're saying is that this bill or the supporters of the bill, uh, the, the House sponsor of the bill, said that this would essentially just limit local control over development on non historic land in historic districts, which sidestepped what allowed Matthew Prince to build that that home. Um, and but, but what I will say, they they introduced this, uh, they introduced the substitution in the bill that would have allowed Matthew Prince to do that. And the House just like was not having it. Um, there was a lot of people who spoke out against the bill, um, who said they even tried to put the put this bill sponsor in a pigeonhole to be like, are you passing this in order to allow a Matthew Prince to build this home? He never conceded that. He's like, no, we're just doing this to limit local control over development of historic of of non-historic land on historic properties. But that that created a lot of speculation of people in other districts of essentially losing local power to build in their districts. And so I think they recognized the repercussions of what this was doing, um, of going against the people within their districts in order to allow land use development. And evidently, (laughs) the substitute failed, but the original bill passed. The substitute failed on a 30 to 42 vote. And you did see uh, House Speaker Brad Wilson uh, kind of flutter, roll his eyes after the loud no vote that went down. Um, But yeah, so so what the what SB 217 originally does, which did actually pass, is it limits regulation of co-ownership of vacation homes or other homes. So it essentially just says multiple people can go in on buying a home and that's okay. Okay. Um, and finally, surprisingly a bit controversial, but Utah does have a new state flag. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Senator Matthew McKay, who was the sponsor behind that, very stoked. He finally got it through, took him all session, and he also did get a little misty-eyed on the Senate floor when it finally passed, holding up the flag. He even put a temporary tattoo of the flag on his forearm when he went on to the Hinckley Report. He was stoked. He was really excited. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I just want to thank you, Sage and and Sean Higgins, for the informative updates this session. Um, Hope we get to do it again next year. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a grand time. And good luck on Fun Drive. All right, thanks. Sage Miller, again, a political reporter with KUER Radio in Salt Lake City. You're listening to the local news hour here on KPCW. KPCW News Time now, 8.51, and welcome back. Day number two of the KPCW Winter Pledge Drive. Leslie Thatcher here along with Renee Bodley Miller and working on the Park City Epic Promise Challenge here. We have looking for a few more phone calls. Looks like we're 13 calls short, but let's get to some of the thank yous. In studio with me, I have Shader Edelman and Tara McDonald with Park City Mountain. Thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you from Stephen Parker. Thanks to Mike Thurgood for being the best boss and taking care of everybody. Uh, Karen and Gary Neems, thank you guys. And from Carolyn Wara, thank you Epic Promise for all you do to support our nonprofits like Recycle Utah. Congrats on all your zero waste efforts and example for others to follow. Thanks, Carolyn. 
Awesome, thank you. Uh, Shelly Barris, I want to recognize Epic Promise and all the support they give to our community, and I love the local. Awesome. Uh, Steven Angerosa, keep up the smiles coming through the end of the season. Thanks for a great one. Uh, Donald Rawl, another one of our nonprofit partners, friends of the Ski Mountain Mining History. Thanks, Epic Promise, Park City Mountain, and KPCW for all you do for the many nonprofits in Park City. Um, another one I'd like to highlight, um, Mountainlands Community Housing Trust. Um, we're really, really proud that we were able to make a $250,000 donation to that organization to support the Holiday Village and Parkside Apartments redevelopment plan that they have. So. Um, another another one of those great partners. Yeah, we're going to be hearing all about that. I think, what, are they on at 10 today, Renee? Mountainlands um, Community Housing? 10 o'clock, they are. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, that was, and that's something also Epic Promise, I know, has done over the years. There was a huge, uh, significant uh, contribution to PC Tots uh, a few years ago. So is that something else that Epic Promise does, just finds... Uh, organizations with you know that they really like changing I would brands. say that uh, at, through epic promise we definitely look at what the most pressing needs in the community is, are and then work with the nonprofits that are going to have the greatest impact in those areas so childcare obviously is a great need in Summit County for our employees to be able to support them so they can come out and help us run things every day. So childcare, employee housing has been great at Slipside Village at Canyons this year. It's definitely a huge impact to be able to have those employees right on site at Canyons. So looking. Is, is that filled up? A few it's, more buildings to come online still, mm -hmm. but we definitely have a... Uh, We've got several hundred of our team in there and then um, we're not the only ones in that, right. occupying that building as well. So it's yeah. a great gain for the whole community, that, that project. Yeah, so everything should be open then by next next winter, huh? That's that's our goal. Yeah. It's it's not our project to, to manage the build, but that is the, the target is everything by next winter. Awesome. 435-649-9004. Again, with the uh, Park City Epic Promise Challenge here. And again, we've got some terrific uh, premium gifts for a $150 donation. We've got the four-pack of the bike haul tickets or a four-pack of the Alpine slide tickets. Uh, again, summer will be here, and that's a great way to get to the top of the mountain by missing the bottom half of the mountain with the, uh, the bike haul. And always fund on the Alpine slide. 435-649-9004. And Leslie, just a shout out to KUER. That's an example of a, a new endeavor we have. We're teaming up with other nonprofit news sources like the Salt Lake Tribune and KUER to do more statewide reporting, congressional reporting, legislature reporting. Um, what we have learned is that when elected officials know there's a media outlet watching them, they tend to be more accountable to the constituents they serve. And so thanks to our news team and KUER and the Salt Lake Tribune for um, all working together to cover the legislature this year. And also, you know, you interviewed Dustin Graybaugh, the Wasatch County manager. We see the clicks on our website. We know folks in Wasatch County are paying attention to what we are reporting. They're looking at how we're covering that proposed bypass. They look at how we're covering the um, new Heber Temple that's going to be built there and the kind of the lighting ordinance variations that the church has requested. Um, those are getting thousands of views. We sure would like to see more donors from Wasatch County. Please give us a call, 435-649-9004, or donate on kpcw.org. Right. And you think about it, I mean, once we started covering uh, Wasatch County, um, you know, it's 
we, we, I mean, that's adding, you know, thousands of listeners, tens of thousands of listeners. And again, I think uh, the national statistics are about 10% of people who listen to public radio actually contribute to public radio. And I know it's way below that in Wasatch County. So, yeah, we certainly would like to uh, hear from you, those of you who are reading the news and, and paying attention to what's uh, being reported in your community. 435-649-9004. Again, we've got just a few minutes left here to, to raise uh, another nine calls. 435-649-9004. A couple more. Thank you, sir. Yeah, from Meg Steele. Thank you to KPCW and Park City Mountain for all your support on our local nonprofits. And just, thank you to Tom and Paula Bradley for making a donation this hour. Thanks, Bradleys. And I, I love hearing uh, so many of our employees calling in to donate to KPCW here this morning. And uh, just a shout out to our employee team that really make the mountain operate every day. The snowfall we've had this year makes everything more intense and, and more and more every single day. The amount of shoveling and snow removal <laughs> and plowing and grooming, snow safety, more shoveling, uh, <laughs> lift maintenance, getting things going in the morning, like the, the entire team every single day across the entire resort. I'm watching people load up town lift here a little early this morning, which is great to see, but um, our team is what makes that happen every day and just want to shout out a huge appreciation to each and every one of them. Yeah, let's speak just real quickly a little bit about how Epic Promise helps with the, the employee. You kind of had mentioned that they have um, an opportunity for not only scholarships, but just emergency needs. Yeah, absolutely. So the Employee Foundation uh, was able to provide $1.3 million in emergency relief grants and scholarships to team members, including $389,000 in educational scholarships for employees and their dependents. So uh, anytime we have an employee who's going through a rough life experience, that emergency relief grant is a comforting thing to be able to offer to them when they're going through difficult times. Yeah, so again, it's just an application to HR or something that they... Yeah, uh -huh. there's a committee that meets monthly and reviews the applications and then goes from there with those. Yeah, and that can be something from a, a personal challenge to uh, fires and uh, floods and, and natural disasters that happen in some of our mountain communities over the last couple of years. Yeah, and then also the commitment to zero. Um, what, another six years to try and get to, get to that. So can you tell... Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we feel like we're on track for that right now. Um, the large-scale wind farm that Vail Resorts enabled has been producing clean electricity since June of 2020, allowing us to reach an 85% renewable electricity across our North American resorts in this last year. Um, and then the solar um, installation that's going in down west of, of the Great Salt Lake, which uh, Park City um, Municipal, Deer Valley, uh, Park City Mountain, Summit County are all part of. That is another piece towards that milestone to be uh, net, net, new, net zero renewable energy. Yeah, um, and then for those with the, the kind of the zero waste garbage, I mean, what, what do, what, what should folks up there at your restaurants do with their food and waste? It's a little counterintuitive, but just, just leave it. Just leave it on the table and our teams are highly trained to take care of those items and make sure that everything goes into the correct waste stream. It is important work that those teams are doing and a huge thank you to all the teams that check those waste streams and uh, make sure they're clean enough to go into the appropriate recycling facilities. A lot of our food waste goes to a digester down in Salt Lake City, which uh, puts out basically fertilizer and uh, 
natural gas from all of our food waste and we send tons and tons of it down to there each year so it takes a lot of work from the teams to move those waste streams from up on mountain locations to the appropriate facilities at our base areas and then uh, make sure that those are going into the proper facilities to reach our commitment to zero goals okay again uh, getting getting close a couple more thank yous before we wrap this hour up yeah Helen host thank you very much and uh, Sharon Audison, a shout out to all of my team in product sales and services, all the great work that the Epic uh, Promise Foundation does as well. All right. Thank you guys for spending the hour with us. Thank you to uh, Park City Epic Promise for providing us with the challenge grant with the great premiums. Um, and look forward to seeing you Thanks, again in six months. Thanks, Thanks so Leslie. much. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank You're listening to the Local News Hour here on KPCW Radio. Stay tuned. Coming up, we've got uh, This Green Earth and uh, day number two of the KPCW Pledge Drive. Thanks so much to all of you who have supported local news and information here. Uh, we appreciate the phone calls. Keep coming and um, stay tuned now for news. This is KPCW Park City.